great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, Bills Mafia? Wednesday night, the bye week is in full effect. What you know, we couldn't leave you hanging. Shout a Buffalo Bills football podcast back in your life for the Staples Show. Wednesday night, we got a lot to get into. Our shout insiders have had uh, their fingers going here tonight, sending us a lot of questions uh, that we're going to dive into tonight as well. We've got a couple of a new feature for the Shout uh, Bills insiders. Um, they're going to send a couple videos in and we're going to react to those videos, uh, live on the podcast. We'll, we'll, we'll take this out for a spin. We'll see how it goes. Uh, shout is brought to you by tops friendly markets as always. And right now tops Christmas bonus is going on and you can be Santa's biggest little helper shop for groceries at tops. And you can save $10 on participating $50 gift cards. That's an extra 20% savings on all your holiday gifts just for buying your groceries at tops. Earn one gift point for every grocery purchase you make of $50 or more uh, now until December 24th. Then redeem one gift point at Tops Checkout for $10 off a gift card at participating real retailers. Ryan, check out some of these. Barnes & Noble, Kohl's, Cabela's, Macy's, Best Buy, Fanatics. If you've been looking for a new Bills jersey, get yourself a Fanatics gift card with the Tops uh, Christmas bonus program. Outback, Chili's. Man, if Matt Bovey could see this collection of gift cards. He'd be on his way to Tops. Uh, check out uh, topsmarkets.com for uh, more details. What's up, buddy? Hey, not too much. I see the chat's already pretty lively. Hello to everyone saying hello to us. Uh, bye week, like you said, but still plenty to talk about. So we uh, have this new feature on YouTube. Um, Johnny Mac has become a uh, official Shout YouTube member. And, and what that gives you is a whole different level of access to us. We're going to uh, kind of test uh, it out a little bit over the next couple of months. Uh, but in the live shows, that gives you priority with your comments. We always uh, see them there. We also appreciate the uh, super chats. We already got one here from Dan Leary. We'll get that up on the screen here shortly. Uh, there's a lot of odds and ends to get to, though. Like before we uh, jump into this episode, um, Brian, you're going to be in Buffalo this Saturday. Yes. Big uh, event, Wingnuts, 700 Military Road, Shout Returns. And what that means is you need to come out uh, inside Froth Brewing Company. We're going to hang out. We're going to eat wings. We're going to drink beers. We're going to talk bills. We're going to do a live podcast. It is going to be so much fun. Everybody's going to come out uh, and hang. Uh, and we'll we'll try to keep hope alive for you because I know that this is a, a really, you know, everybody's down in the dumps right now. I just had my son over at basketball practice and I had a couple people walking up to me like, Almost like, tell me some good news, man. Give me some good vibes. Like, tell me that there's hope. So maybe we'll provide a little hope on Saturday night. Yeah, I think we're definitely going to provide some hope. We're going to also provide some opportunities for some great food and uh, great beers. So come join us at Wing Nuts on Saturday night. All right. So let's start at the top. And a lot of the questions that have come in from the Shout Insiders uh, have been kind of about our main topic tonight. And, and that is... Just the overall heat that I feel like has been applied to Sean McDermott over the last couple of weeks. I mean, you and I have both been pretty critical of him on this show. But I want to start with the the premise that, you know, there's a lot of people in Bill's Mafia right now that are ready to pull the plug, that are ready to move on, thinking about other coaching options. What is the what is the out from the Sean McDermott era and, and starting to envision what it could look like on the other side? I got to be honest at the start, and we're going to talk about all the things that have gone on this season and, and, and what, you know, where we should be at with Deshaun McDermott uh, being the head coach of the Bills. But I'm not there yet, Ryan. I, I don't think he should be fired. I, I don't know. There's been some things that haven't gone right this year. And them sitting here at six and six, I don't think is where he wants them to be, where Bills fans want him to be, where Josh Allen wants him to be. But I do think that there is some value in remembering that it's the grass isn't always greener, that you'd have to then 
put all of your faith in the, the, the brain trust of this organization led by Terry Pagula to be able to find a replacement. And I just don't know if I'm necessarily there yet. Could I get there over the next six weeks? Sure. There's a lot that could happen. You know, a couple more of these kinds of situations, uh, the Denver game comes to mind. Um, the New England game comes to mind. And obviously this Philadelphia game, which with victory in their sights. But I'm not there, and I want to start off on that premise before we talk about too much about how much his job might be in danger. Yeah, absolutely, Matt. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of right there with you. The, the Bills would have to pretty much collapse these last five games. Uh, you would have to lose control of the locker room in terms of uh, some things that we have not seen with the players in this regime uh, whatsoever in their entire tenure. So it, it would take a lot for me to get there now. You know, what I think could happen is he returns, but maybe there's a uh, a circumstance where he has to come out and he has to hire a defensive coordinator. I don't care if it's someone in-house. Uh, I don't care if it's someone from the outside. Maybe that's like their, uh, the one thing that they say is, hey, you're the head coach. Uh, there's a lot on your plate with that as is. It can still be your defense, but there needs to be a defensive coordinator in place in 2024. Uh, I think that scenario is a lot likelier than them moving on from Sean McDermott entirely. So uh, I talked about this a little bit. We taped uh, Buffalo kickoff live today and Johnny Mack, a little shout out to you, buddy. He said, hi guys. Uh, McDermott is going to be here until the end of the season and most likely going forward. And, and I think that um, that's right. And unless something crazy happens, I, I, people have asked me, have, has he lost the locker room? And, and I don't think that we're there yet. Like there's, I think that there's some people that might be frustrated in that locker room right now, no doubt about it. Um, but I don't think that, that we're to a point yet where guys aren't listening to his message. I don't think you go on the road and play a game like that against the Philadelphia Eagles in their house if the locker room is lost. And listen, this is a defense still that it's important to remember. They're down a bunch of guys. I mean, Tredavious White, Daquan Jones, Matt Milano, that's that's real. Like, as good of a season as Terrell Bernard has had, I wonder if it would, wouldn't be even better if it was next to Matt Milano this entire time. And so, you know, Thad Brown, uh, he, he's on Buffalo Kickoff Live with me, and we were kind of shooting this around on the show and then uh, during the commercials today. That airs 11 o'clock on Sunday, so check that out before uh, you, you settle in for a Sunday slate about, okay, you fired the offensive coordinator a couple weeks ago. There's, to me, some real concern that I have for Sean McDermott at this point, being the defensive coordinator and the head coach at the same time. I don't know if he's necessarily good enough at all of it, managing all of it, I should say. He's a, he's a hell of a defensive coordinator. Let's not uh, mix right. words there. But to, to run the show as the CEO of the team, oversee some of the offensive stuff all while like being, you know, head buried in the defense for most of the game. And rightfully so he's, he's done a great job as the defensive coordinator this season. I think that he should really give some consideration to what he talked about back in training camp, handing over the reins of calling the plays on defense to somebody on his staff. I know that he wants to do it himself. I understand it. I respect it, but I think they have to be completely buttoned up going down the stretch. There's no wiggle room now. You don't have any room for error. The problem is, though, and Thad brought this up, and I thought it was a good point, can he fire two coordinators in less than a month? Because if he were to hand over the play-calling duties to, say, Bobby Babbage, who I think to me is the top candidate to be the D.C. next year, I, I'd, I'd start that train right now. He'd, he'd ultimately be saying that, like, he's, you know, he's not firing himself, but the sense of that, that they're moving in another direction, does he want to make that admission? And sometimes I don't think you can be prideful in these moments. I think you have to do what's best for the team. And we saw them kind of get a little juice when I think it was John Butler was calling the plays earlier in the season. I don't know if that would be the person you hand it over to now, but whatever the case may be, there should be some consideration for it. Yeah. I don't know if they would do it for the last few weeks of the season, but I think in the off season you do, you have to pick someone, whether it's Butler or someone that uh, has a little bit more experience under his belt than a guy like Babbage. But you and I have both talked about, uh, Babich and, and I said star potential at training camp and in terms of uh, I think he's going to be one of those guys that rises through the ranks and will be a head coaching candidate uh, sooner rather than later so I wouldn't mind handing the reins over to him this offseason and letting him kind of uh, you know work around the Sean McDermott defense and see what he can do 
He's done a really nice job, obviously, with Terrell Bernard. And, you know, he inherited a Matt Milano, uh, but he still is keeping Milano at that all-pro type level. So uh, he's a smart coach. He's well-liked by all of the linebackers in that locker room. Uh, there are candidates in-house, and that doesn't mean the Bills can't go outside as well. But, yeah, I think that's one thing, uh, at least going into 2024, that needs to be done if Sean McDermott returns, is you need to find a defensive coordinator so you can focus on being the head coach of this football team and everything that comes with that. We are bustling uh, over on YouTube right now. Smash that like button, subscribe to our channel as well. We are creeping, Ryan Talbot, all the way up towards 10,000 subscribers uh, on YouTube. We're so appreciative of this community that we have here on YouTube. Um, I, I, I want to pivot a little bit into Joe Brady because he, to me, is really important in this last stretch of the season. And, you know, I titled this video, how much, you know, trouble is Sean McDermott in? Whatever the, the words that I used. Uh, is, is Sean McDermott's job as Bill's head coach in danger? I, I do think that there's there's some danger there, for sure. Can Joe Brady help save it? And honestly, I think Joe Brady is the most important key in all this, even more so than McDermott maybe choosing to let somebody else call the plays because of what it's meant for Josh Allen, right? Over the last two weeks, it's looked like a completely different person. I mean, the swagger, the way that he's been competing on sidelines, the fun kind of coming back to him on the sideline, like, or on the field when he's playing, like he came up, he rolled up off of that, after that second rushing touchdown and kind of rose like a scene out of the Terminator. Hmm. And he had his like arms kind of uh, coiled and, and, and it looked like a, like it was flexing on the guy that tried to tackle him. It's like, that's Josh Allen. That's the dude that everybody fell in love with over the last couple of seasons. And he hasn't been there. And to be honest with you, I think a big problem in all this is the way that the bills went into the season with their marching orders for their quarterback. And I understand it. And I almost respect it. Like you don't want him to get hurt. You know, he's has that shoulder injury. He's been dealing with all season. When you play a physical style, you, tend to get banged up a little bit. And over time, over the years, that's going to get less and less, um, you know, conducive to staying healthy. But it's obviously changed him, right? Yeah, 100% has changed him. What's ironic is I believe in both instances of his shoulder injury, it's happened when he's been in the pocket. It hasn't necessarily been when he's uh, been a runner. Now, has he re-aggravated it when he's landed on it? Yes, absolutely, that's happened. Uh, but – I feel like in two games, and again, it's a small sample size, it feels like Joe Brady has told Josh Allen, we don't want you to be a runner first. We, you know, we don't need that from you. But when the opportunity is there, when it's a third down and six and no one's open and there's pressure in your face, don't hesitate to go downfield if you can move the chains with your legs. It felt like earlier this season, whether it was Ken Dorsey, Sean McDermott, a group effort, it really felt like they were telling him, do not run whatsoever for the most part, because he would sit and he would scramble and he would wait and wait and wait and try to throw it downfield and move the chains that way. And I get it. Like you said, as you get older, uh, those injuries will start to take their toll on any quarterback. Uh, but it wasn't working, and, and the Bills were not putting together full four full quarters of football. In two games, the offense has looked great for eight quarters. They put up 30-plus points against two really good defenses. Uh, Josh Allen is firing in all cylinders. They're spreading the ball around. Stephon Diggs had a touchdown in this last game, but he has not been uh, you know, given the, the bulk of the uh, – uh, he's getting a good amount of targets, so, but he's not getting as many necessarily as he was where they felt like they were forcing it to him. Gabe Davis one week doesn't have any targets. He has over 100 this week. Uh, they're really spreading it around. They're utilizing their weapons. We know about Kincaid, so on and so forth. So I do like the way that Brady has done things on offense in two games. I also like the demeanor of the new coordinator. And I'll be interested to see if they like they continue to have the success on offense. Do they remove that interim tag in season and just say, hey, listen, Let's let's do a deal. Like we want you in place. We want you to be with Josh Allen. We want you to be the offensive coordinator. Not to mention, potentially gives you that answer long term if you ever do decide to move on from Josh Allen. Because one thing that's really or from Sean McDermott was interesting about a potential move 
first of all, if Brady like goes off here in this last eight weeks and you and he like hits the market, maybe right? Like those those assistant coach contracts are usually for two years, maybe three years. Uh, so he might still be under contract. Uh, we don't know the status of that, but if he were to to move on, or if you were to like move on from Sean McDermott and bring in an offensive coach to be the the new head coach, are we convinced, Ryan, that Sean that Josh Allen just automatically links up with a new offensive scheme and everything looks the same, learning a whole new system and and building a whole new set of rules and a whole new understanding, which which with what's probably going to be a bit of a personnel turnover, especially in the skill uh, position room. I mean, Gabe Davis, there's a good chance he's not back next year. Deontay Hardy, Trent Sherfield, good chance both of those guys aren't back next year. Good chance the Bills go out and draft a new wide receiver. And so, I don't know, like, as much as people are talking about like Ben Johnson and the offensive coordinator from Houston, Ben Slowick, I, I think his name uh, is, there's a, there's a little bit of a risk there with – whether or not Joe Brady leaves, whether or not it's a new head coach, about like syncing that up with Josh Allen, something totally new. Yeah, I mean, listen, when you have an elite quarterback, you, you would an- anticipate that uh, he would still make the offense go to a certain extent. But if things are not a, a great fit necessarily, it, it could look kind of like what it did under Ken Dorsey. There's going to be weeks where maybe they put up over 30 points. There might be some weeks where they stall out. There might be a learning curve for a chunk of the season where, you know, small again, two weeks, but you've seen what this offense looks like under Joe Brady. And this is not necessarily the Joe Brady playbook either. Uh, he's using the Ken Dorsey and, and Brian Dable playbook that Josh Allen has been very comfortable with for the last few years. And if he does get that uh, interim tag removed and remains as offensive coordinator for the foreseeable future, uh, you're probably going to still see a lot of those elements, but it also give him an entire offseason to incorporate some things that he wants to do, some things that maybe work for him at LSU. Uh, it might allow him to uh, go out and, and really you know, see who's on the free agent market. Uh, I'm not sure what Terrence Marshall's status is like, but he's one of those low-end free agents that I could see the Bills getting in free agency. Like you said, drafting a wide receiver high. Really saying, hey, you know, Joe, we, we were impressed with what you did at the end of last season. We're going to let you incorporate some of your own things. We're going to let you spend, you know, we're going to let this team spend a high pick on a wide receiver. We're really going to try to build around Josh Allen in this offense. Uh, and I think that's a better option going with what you know, as long as it continues to go well down the stretch here, than the unknown. Because as good as some of these coordinators are right now, they're going to be up for head coaching jobs. Uh, you also don't know who they're bringing in as their offensive coordinator and if it's going to be as in sync as what it is in their current situations with their current teams. Um, Christy Allen, one of our regulars in the Shout Insiders, she's got it all figured out. Smash that like button. Subscribe as well. I think we're over 200 watching live on YouTube right now. We got a super chat from uh, Dan Leary that I want to get to here in a moment. Uh, but uh, and actually, let's get to the the super chat, and then we'll yeah. pivot to Vaughn after that. Could the Bills lose both AJ Epinesa and Leonard Floyd to free agency? Aside from Rousseau and Vaughn for cap reasons, could uh, we see a retooling of the defensive end position this offseason? Ryan, why don't you start here? Yeah, I mean, you could definitely see both of them go. And if I'm Leonard Floyd, for instance. Uh, you know, at one, I don't think he's going to have to sit on the market nearly as long. I know he had, what, nine sacks last year with the Rams. Now he comes to a new team. He has nine and, uh, nine and a half right now. Uh, he's playing at a high level. He's shown that he can come to another team, another system, and still perform. I think there's going to be uh, some teams out there that want a veteran presence like that. AJ Epinesa could leave as well, but uh, I also think that there's probably, you know, a comfort level between Epinesa this coaching staff, the system, knowing that if he goes somewhere else, it might not work out, a la a Shaq Lawson, and again, different position, but a Jordan Phillips, for instance, where you know they cash in in free agency to go elsewhere, and it just doesn't work out. Systems matter, and you know he's been in this system for quite a few years now, and things are finally clicking. I think there's more of a, a chance to, to reach a compromise or a middle ground with Epinesa because – uh, again, he has not been an every-down starter. He's performed well for this team. I don't think you have to break the bank for him. But is it a possibility that you lose them both? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, this is a team that's going to have to restructure some contracts, cut some some players, uh, 
perhaps some household names to get into a decent cap situation. But I still don't think they're going to be able to go out and break the bank necessarily or pay some of their own guys or other guys out there uh, big money that are look, you know, players that are looking for that type of salary. Yeah, they're they're looking. You know, I, I don't know if they have to address the um, position in the draft high. Like they could probably look to get a third, fourth, fifth round pick at the edge rusher position and try to you know add somebody to the rotation. Um, I, I think they have a really good idea at this point at what works in their scheme and the kind of player that they're going after. And like for Kingsley Jonathan to come in here and look good at times like he has, you know, maybe there's a style now that they've landed on. As far as Epinesa and Floyd, I don't know if Epinesa's market, even if he reaches like say 10 sacks, right? Like he, he has a big game coming up here. I don't know if his market's going to be as plush as you would think, only because think of the last couple of years and some of the, you know, um, scary stories that teams you know have seen when teams played big money for players. Remember Emmanuel Agba, who got that big deal from Miami a couple of years ago, and he's never really lived up to it. Carl Lawson hasn't really lived up to it. Uh, Akwara from Detroit was somebody that, remember we were talking about him getting a lot of yeah. juice, and yeah. I'm not sure if that – any of those guys have made the kind of splash to make um, allocating those kinds of resources on, on the free agent market worth it as far as Floyd. And so Epinesa to me is a guy that like, all right, you, you, you sit down at the table and you say, you've, you've gotten to this point. You're really good. You're part of our rotation. We see you as like number three next year uh, with a bullet. Uh, Boogie's gone. Sign a one year deal cap friendly, go out and have a big year. And then you can cash in on the other side of that. Uh, that would be my pitch anyway, if I was Brandon Bean. Floyd is he's working against time. Like who's willing to really pony up the big money, even if he does end up having a 12, 13 sack season, he's probably going to get it somewhere because he's a really good pass rusher. He's bendy. He's quick. He's athletic. But he also does get banged up quite a bit. He's played through some injuries this year, and I think that could work against him. Man, Brandon Bean's pretty been pretty good with these kinds of moves over the years, these late in free agency, second wave type of deals. But, man, I wonder if he's – wishing he would have worked something out in the Daquan Jones uh, category of a deal with a two-year deal. Yeah, I'm sure right now knowing the results that uh, he has seen and and knowing how much he has helped the you know the front four when they haven't had to send additional pressure and help uh, that you probably would like to have him under contract for a second year knowing that you know after after next year maybe that is where you know the age starts to catch up to him he does start to fall off a little bit but right now he hasn't shown any signs uh, falling off and to your point he does get banged up a lot but to his credit he plays through it as well and and, and that's something too where i could see him uh or that being an attractive feature to a team so when it comes to floyd i wouldn't be surprised if at this point in his career he's just trying to latch on with a contending team which that could again be buffalo uh a, a team that has a chance to win another super bowl but also get paid a, a fair rate for his production um I want to talk about Von Miller really quickly yeah. uh, before we pivot into the fan uh, question portion of tonight's program. And uh, just so you know, like the plan for Saturday night, we're going to take a long look at the schedule, the remaining uh, games that the Bills have. Can the Bills make a playoff run? Like the matchups, like what it'll mean for the Bills in each game. That's going to be a big uh, part of our show. We have a bunch of questions that were sent in from the Shout Insiders. We're going to get to a bunch of those tonight, but whatever we don't, uh, we're going to kind of push off into Saturday. So if you're watching, Insiders, we'll take care of you. Don't worry. We'll get to all those questions uh, over the next two shows. So I asked Eric Washington on Monday about Von Miller because we haven't really gotten a lot of update recently on, on where the progress is of that knee injury. He's still wearing the brace. It just hasn't been good enough, Ryan. Like, you know, you're watching it game after game and you're just wondering when is there going to be just like a little sliver of hope for what he can, you know, be. I tweeted it before last game that I thought, hey, listen, Vaughn's Vaughn. Eventually he's going to get back to, to where he's at. But, you know, you watch that game last week and I know it was in the rain and like so slippery surface, maybe not as secure. I don't want to make excuses for him. But, you know, there was maybe one play in that game where I thought, I saw some juice from Von Miller. So I asked Eric Washington about it and I said, you know, are you what's the level of concern here? And he, he didn't really answer that part of it, but he quickly got defensive and said, listen, Von's sacrificing, right? Like he he's trying to be there for his team, you know, which says says to me, like, 
he's probably not at a place yet where he, he probably should even be playing or, or, or is ready to be back fully at 34 years old to come back off that serious kind of injury. He mentioned a couple of weeks ago, I think it was about a month ago when he said this has been much different than the first time he tore the ACL. So I don't know, Ryan, that this, this could be a situation where he never ramps it back up to anywhere close to where you thought you were hoping to get him. Yeah, it's a possibility. Again, age, second time he's had a type, uh, serious type of injury like this. Uh, I think right now, if the Bills are smart, you, you have them out there, but you're not putting them out there in the, the third down situations. I feel like that's actually hurting your team, uh, not having your best pass rushers out there, having a you know letting it be Floyd and Epinesa, or 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 even you know Shaq Lawson's shown some juice at times. I'd rather have Von Miller out there, uh, you know, on a pitch count, even if it was on first or second down on at sometimes. Let him play against the run. Let him try to get after the quarterback at times. But the way they've utilized him at certain points where you have him out there on third down situations, I think it's hurting this pass rush more than anything else. He's not getting home. It's allowing quarterbacks a little bit more time. Um, but you, you're right. We might never see that version of Von Miller. Even the version that started out last season with Buffalo and was playing very well. You know, I, I doubted that we were ever going to see elite Von Miller when, when he signed with the Bills because of the age and everything like that. I still thought you could get a double-digit sack type of production out of him. But when you have Floyd and, and Greg Russo, who, for whatever reason, I haven't mentioned up until this point, uh, and and guys like Shaq Lawson and, and things like that, you know, let them play in the passing downs. Let them try to, to pin their ears back and get after the quarterback. You can still use Vaughn on earlier downs, put him on that pitch count, see how we can help you in that regard. But you, you want to have your best guys out there in the in the third down plays, the fourth down plays, when games are on the line. And right now he is not one of your best players. And so I asked Washington too, I said, are there any signs that you're seeing that maybe, you know, we're not seeing as um, you know, I'm not a a football coach and and he's much more in the weeds with it all. Uh, I know fans are frustrated and there's different levels of understanding of what they're actually looking for. As a matter of fact, there was a clip of Miller that went viral where I think it was Armando Salguero that kind of like took a run at him for, what was obviously looked like a stunt. Like it looked like he was running into the guard to try to set something up for the tackle coming from the side. Yep. hundred percent. That's what it was. But people that, you know, don't understand the stunts and things like that took it like he was uh, lost or that he wasn't going after the quarterback. You know, like you said, it was kind of a, a hit job at Von Miller on social media and people that didn't understand that if you just view it, you're like, what's this guy doing? But if you understand the stunts, it's a clear, it was pretty clear what he was trying to do there, Matt. Yeah. And you got to be careful with those, those folks that are covering the dolphins. Saul Carroll, he's covered them for years. Um, there is a lot of pom-poms on that beat. And, um, you know, that's, a, that's all I'll say. That's all I'll say. Um, he's one. I'll say something. He's not even the worst one. I mean, <laughs> uh, I really like Adam Beasley. He's a good dude. Yeah, like- uh, a, a few times, but man, does he carry some water? And so does, uh, Joe Chad. Oh, Joe Shad, dude. Joe he Shad. might as well just put on a jersey. Dude, he loves it. We got to get him on the podcast because, like, he's pretty respected. Like, he's an OG, like, journalist. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's that's quite – He's the, not hiding it now, though. He's not he's hiding any bias. Not at all. But so, anyway, so I asked Eric Washington about, if, is, is there anything that you've seen? And he said, a couple weeks ago, Vaughn had a really sharp inside spin move, the same move he used a year ago against Kansas City to get the quarterback down. That move came back for him. It was quick. It was sharp. He's in the quarterback's face. Unfortunately, the quarterback was able to get rid of the ball. He complimented that with a strong stab outside rush, was in the quarterback's face, and again, the ball was out. So I'm seeing those things. Those things won't show up in the scores column. They won't show up in the highlight reels. But from a person that's evaluating every step, those things are extremely positive, and he's encouraged by that. Now, listen, Eric Washington is going to build up Von Miller here. I mean, we're not seeing a ton of these things, but just those, it's just going to take one little play for him to unlock some confidence to maybe, you know, um, spin it forward a little bit and, 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 and put together a couple of good series of football. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and, you know, obviously the bills are on by this week. Patrick Mahomes is a quarterback that gets the ball out quickly, but all it takes is one matchup where uh, there's a quarterback that maybe holds the ball a little bit longer and those pass moves pay off because the ball is still in their hands. It's tough. The, you know, the release for some of these QBs these days, it's pretty insane. They, they get it out to their first read. They they get it out of their hands in less than three seconds. And 
Uh, it's pretty wild. It is pretty wild. And you know what else is wild? We have wild times in the Shout Insider text line. You should become a Shout Insider today by texting 716-528-6727. My wife always yells at me that I say it too fast. Um, we have a special new feature today. I put a call out to the insiders and I asked for video clips, one minute or less video clips of a take, a question. We're going to react to it live. And as always, the shout text line is brought to you by Carrie C. Byer, attorney with the law offices of Francis M. Litro, located at 237 Main Street, Buffalo, New York. If you or someone you know is seriously injured, give them a call at 716-852-1234 or check out LitroLaw.com. All right, we're going to start, Ryan. See if I can fire this up and not screw it up. Adrian Sheffield sends us in uh, our first video. Let's uh, roll this thing and then we will uh, react to the thing afterwards. Here we go. What's up, those Mafia? My name is Adrian. I'm from Buffalo. I live in Philly now. Um, I was at the game uh, Sunday and a lot of my friends from Philadelphia area kept asking me like, how is it possible that the Bills are six and five? At the time, that time they were six and five. And I explained to them some of the issues that we've had this year with the injuries, um, you know, with uh, offensive coaching and just other mishaps that I had this year. And they still couldn't understand, like, how in the heck are the Bills six and five, now six and six with all this talent? The team is too good. And, you know, it bothered me. And so today one of my buddies called me and he looked up some things that I had taken for granted. For example, Josh Allen, he's number one in um, touchdowns, number one in passing touchdowns. He's top three in yardage. Cook is a top 10, number six running back. Diggs has is top three in receptions. The Bills are number one in takeaways. The Bills are number one in sacks. So when I put that all together, I asked myself, like, wow, how is it possible that we're just six and six? So that's my question, Bills Mafia. Help me out. How are we only six and six? with all the talent and all those stats. All right, Ryan. So there's the question. How are the Bills 6-6? Six and six? Thank you to um, Adrian for sending that in. That is uh, really, really cool. Uh, it'll be fun to interject these things in. And I think he brings up a really good point. It's like you look at the production that this team has put up on both sides of the ball to be at near the top of the league in takeaways, to be near the top of the league in sacks. You're getting after the quarterback. You're turning over the ball, although there was a stretch there where they weren't turning over the ball at the same at the same clip, and some of those losses are baked in there. But to have a season like this with Josh Allen, it's just, to me, like it's the little details. And, and that's why I think I've been so hard on Sean the last couple of weeks because in year seven, with the personnel familiarity, with the coaching staff familiarity, you have to have the details buttoned up. And I just don't know if the Bills have had that. No, I agree with that. And, and you know, injuries obviously factor in as well. But I, I think coaching is maybe the biggest talking point here. Uh, you look at the offense. They had a nice string of games early in the season against the Commanders, against the Raiders, against the Dolphins. And, and then they hit that lull. And they also had, you know, a poor performance against the Jets. They couldn't put together four quarters of football. They were very limited in terms of their scoring that led to some uh, letting some other teams into the games. You've had a defense that has lost two of their star players, Daquan Jones and Matt Milano, not to take anything away from Trey White. Trey White's a fine player as well, and you lost him. Uh, you, you have some special teams letdowns this season, in my opinion. You lose the first game in overtime to the Jets because of a punt return. Uh, you can look at the way this special teams unit has fared in some of these other games and big returns, penalties that have backed them up, missed kicks. Tyler Bass is at a 78% conversion rate this season on field goals. Uh, had been around 87 the past two years, 82 as a rookie. So you, he's down significantly. The punting hasn't been good. The field position issues, complimentary football. Uh, Sean McDermott has had his gaffes. You, you look at not going for the win with 20 seconds, burning one of those timeouts to uh, let Jake Elliott think about it before kicking a 59-yarder, which you know he made with a lot of leg extra. Uh, little things like that add up over time, and uh, you factor it all together, and it does feel like they are kind of wasting an MVP type of season from Josh Allen. Uh, great stuff from uh, Adrian there. We got one more we have to get to. Um, Mark. 
Uh, he sends one in here. He's at Disney World right now. Disney World or Disneyland? I think he says it in the, the video. Let's check it out right now. What's up, guys? This is Mark coming to you from Animal Kingdom at Disney World. You have Expedition Everest back there. Uh, it was real tough watching the game and seeing all the Eagles fans around Disney World parks this week. And a lot of us are really down about our playoff chances. I wanted to hear what you guys think about how we should look at the rest of the season going forward, knowing the playoff chances aren't completely none, but they're very slim. What signs of improvement should we be looking for? Thanks, guys. Look forward to listening. Thank you, Mark. Uh, coming to us from Disney World. That is super cool. Uh, and I think he brings up a great question, like, how are you approaching the end of the season? Now, I said we're going to go through the games and we're, we're going to take it uh, in that direction. And, and maybe we won't go too far into that. But I do think, like, there's been some Bills fans that have been sharing mock drafts on social media, like starting to really dive into um, that part of things. I got an insider text today that said, man, I thought what we were over this uh, having to check mock drafts in November. But that's where a lot of fans feel like they're at. And. I said, I texted him back and I said, it's not the worst thing because there are some needs. Like I think the bills are going to have to hit in the draft, whether or not they make the playoffs or not, whether or not they were first in the division or first in the conference. Like I'm looking at wide receiver. Uh, I'm going to be taking a long look at that crop as we kind of move into the off season and, and towards the combine in the draft defensive tackle, Ryan, there's only one under contract. We're going to talk about Jordan Phillips in a minute here before we get out of here. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lack of depth and Daquan Jones is not under contract. Yeah, th there's a lot to kind of process there. And shout out to him for the Ravenclaw shirt real quick. Wanted to point that out as a you know Harry Potter fan here too. So I uh, love the shirt. But, you know, looking at the rest of the way in, in terms of giving fans hope, one, the way the offense has been playing the last two weeks, I think that uh, looking at this slate of five games, the Bills can play that type of, of performance over four quarters. They could go four and one. They could even go five and oh. And I know that's asking a lot based on, the inconsistencies that we've seen from this team this season in terms of all three phases of the game. Uh, but that would be my first, you know, point where maybe there's a, a chance to sneak in as a wild card team. I see in the comments here, Miami has a tough slate toward the end of the season. Very true. Uh, they have the Ravens on their schedule late in the year. I, I'm blanking on the other big game that obviously Buffalo too, but they have three in a row there late in the year. And, and, you know, now, as much as we scoff about Aaron Rodgers coming back, they do have the Jets again in, in mid-December. Uh, if Rodgers were to play in that game, I think that'd be a much tougher matchup for Miami than uh, if it's Tim Boyle or Zach Wilson or whoever else they would roll out there at the quarterback position. So maybe there's a chance for a late-season collapse for Miami. Uh, I'm not necessarily expecting that one, but th there's certainly a chance. Dallas, that's the other matchup. Thank you, uh, Larry, in the comments there. So, you know, they have some tough matchups too, but the, the Bills obviously have to handle their own business first and foremost. I also wanted to shout out uh, Mattis over on YouTube. She sent us both an email uh, thanking us for uh, the shows the last couple of weeks. Uh, she's been in here from uh, the, the beginning. And so I wanted to uh, show a little love. I see her in the comments here. So I wanted to mention that as well. Um all right, let's get to a couple of these questions. We're probably going to only take two or three. We're, we're coming up on 40 minutes here, and we're coming with another 45-minute show probably-ish on Saturday. So I don't want to go too far um, tonight. Uh, Becky uh, Meisenhall, uh, one of our favorites. She's come out to a few of the live Wingnut show, which we're back Saturday night, 6 p.m., Wingnut 700 Military Road. Do not miss it. If you're in town, uh, make us a part of your weekend plans. What do you guys think about Jordan Phillips? I used to think he was a fun player and was initially glad when he came back, but I've grown tired of the personal fouls and the boneheaded plays. Plus now he and Shaq fighting with fans. It also seems like a double standard how Cook is pulled out of the game for a mistake, but there never seems to be any consequences for other players, which I think is interesting. Jordan Phillips is really, it's such an interesting conversation because I was, Super high on the sign when they brought him back off the Arizona situation and didn't go the way that he wanted. He had that big year. He got paid, hits the free agent market. It made a lot of sense. But if we take the, the full body of work, and I know there's been injuries involved, especially more so last season. What's the, what's the level of production that you're getting for a guy that, you know, 
I think I think fans have made a really good point that, that have commented on social media. Like he's more known at this stage for you know raising his arms and getting people juiced up, and it's important. But that can't be the only thing that you're really known for from a defensive perspective. At times, Ryan, I think he's been the worst of the defensive tackles out there. And you have a guy in Puna Ford who can't get a jersey for some reason sitting there not being able to play. And I just don't know if the level of play that Jordan Phillips has put out there has been good enough. And then you take into account, and we can talk about Jason Kelsey's comments about Jordan Phillips and that uh, uh, offsides penalty where he kind of drove Cam Jurgens into the ground. Um, it didn't look like on the replay that he finished it with his helmet. Um but he definitely didn't pull off. And I don't know, there's a lot that goes on when you jump off sides and you're trying to stop a play in that short amount of time. I don't necessarily think that Jordan Phillips is a dirty player, but there's just a lot of extra stuff, the stuff with the fans too. Like my question with that is, listen, Shaq Lawson, if you want to talk about a character guy, like I'd go to bat for him with anybody in the locker room. Like I, he is just a good dude. Like he, he's good to the fans. Like if he was getting into it with people, like I, I, I'd say there was probably a reason to get into it, but I would just wonder Jordan Phillips going up to the security guard, constantly engaging, constantly yelling back. You got a football game to win against the Philadelphia Eagles. Why are you engaging in all of that stuff? Don't you have to kind of tune that out? And I get it. Like if fans are saying inappropriate stuff, I get that part of it and being upset with it. Trust me, I do. But I think from like the team perspective, it's the same reason I, I kind of banged on Cole Beasley a couple of years ago for all the, you know, uh, vaccine stuff, have the take, do whatever you want with it on your social media. But do you really want to be a d- distraction uh, in a game setting or in a locker room setting when there's a bigger goal at play? And it's a lot easier to be a distraction and get away with it when you're producing. And I don't feel like Jordan Phillips, to your point, is producing on the field uh, at this point at a consistent level. Uh, if the Bills are looking to pay someone millions of dollars to wave their arms up in the air, have them give me a call. I'm, I'm up for it. I can wave my arms for three or four hours nonstop. I'll do it. Let's but see it. Jordan, <laughs> you know, just get them going. Just get them going. Yeah, so, thing in there. You Thing in there, Listen, until the paycheck clears, you're getting the vet minimum right there for that for that arm waving action. I could live with that too. Uh, <laughs> but no, Jordan Phillips on the field, you're right. It, it's the the boneheaded plays, it's, it's the jumping off sides. And I, you know, Philadelphia game, I get in those short yarded situations, you're trying to time everything perfectly. Jason Kelsey was uh moving a little bit he got called twice for false starts and i think on the play in question with cam jurgens when they zoomed in on kelsey he flinched again this one just didn't get called and when your eyes are on the center and you see movement you go could he have pulled up probably but this not it's not just this game it's personal fouls in other games it's five yard penalties it's giving teams better yardage first downs that every now and then which sometimes we see from ed oliver for instance it's okay if you're also producing on the field the way Ed is this year. Jordan Phillips has not been producing consistently, minus Ed Oliver, and obviously Daquan Jones has been out with an injury for a good chunk of the season. This defensive tackle position has been a bit of a mess this year in, in terms of consistency. Tim Settles had some good moments. He's had a lot of downplay. Jordan Phillips, I feel like, has had more downplay than anything else. Puna Ford, they can't get him on the field. They, they're not giving him a jersey for some reason. So, uh, it's concerning for sure. And I, I do think that, uh, this is probably his last hurrah in Buffalo. I would be shocked if Jordan Phillips were back any, you know, beyond this year. Mm-hmm. Um, let's get to one more, uh, just cause this one's, this podcast has gone a little bit longer than, um, I wanted to, cause we're kind of like part one, part two, uh, coming at yeah on Saturday on a bye. Uh, but Ali Calabri sends one in. And if if you send in a question and it doesn't it didn't get in this episode, we will get it into um Saturdays or we'll we'll do another one on Monday and, and resurface uh some of these as well. Uh the video uh thing took a little bit longer. So apologies if I didn't get enough questions in here. On the topic of how warm McDermott's seat is. I see a lot of people defending him for bringing us out of the shadows for 20 years and breaking the drought in his first year with an underwhelming roster. While he's done plenty, we're all grateful for. At what point do we raise expectations and not factor in a team that went to the playoffs five years ago uh, only to lose to Jacksonville 10-3? to That was 
fun five years ago, but all we should be caring about now is Super Bowl or bust. Additionally, folks say it'll be a while before Terry Pagula moves on from McDermott as they have a close relationship and all that he's done for Buffalo. What factors do the health of Kim Pagula play into all of this? We haven't heard much at all about her lately, and imagine Terry has a lot on his plate and doesn't want to blow up what he has, let alone if she's a co-owner. Make sure she's in good standing before that type of decision is made. I guess I'm not sure what my question is here. Just a few thoughts I've had as we've reflected uh, McDermott's future here over the last month. On Kim Pagula, she's not serving in the role that she was in before. She was out at training camp a few times, uh, which made some news, which was great to see. Um, uh, I, I don't think she's involved in, in the operations. Terry's involved. And I put out a couple texts about this earlier this week, Ryan. That to me is the kind of tough road to a change in that Terry has empowered Sean specifically, Brandon as well, to basically run the operation. And, and, and I'm not saying that I don't think that he could kind of, you know, get in there, pull it all back, make wholesale changes. That That's definitely possible and could happen. But right now, it it feels like Sean and Terry are, or Sean and Brandon are the face of the organization. We never hear from Terry Pagula on the Bills. You know, like he doesn't speak at the owners' meetings. Like he's not accessible. He's not available. And so, right now, because you've empowered them the way that you have, I don't know what it would look like to alter course. Like if you believe in Brandon Bean as the general manager and you want a new leader as the head coach. Can you separate them? They, they kind of felt like a package deal, even more so that Sean got here before Brandon. Um, I'd advocate that if you were to ultimately make a change, keeping Brandon Bean, because I do think for as much as people kind of uh, criticize him for some of the picks, he got the quarterback right. I think he's done a really good job building a sustainable roster for the most part. Now there's questions now as we move into the next iteration of this thing, and that's something we could talk about. But I think he's done a pretty, pretty good job. In terms of Sean McDermott, um, I, I do think that there's there's heat there. I, I don't know if there's enough heat, like we said at the top of the show, to make a change. Yeah, and, and they do feel like a package deal. I mean, both of their extensions were announced at the same time. Uh, they were both part of the whole ceremonial, uh, you know, the, the whole photo op for the new stadium. They both have a good relationship with Terry Pagula. They have a good relationship with one another from their Carolina days. It felt like uh, Sean McDermott had a major say in bringing being aboard. But if they were ever to move on from McDermott, I'm with you. I think that they would keep Brandon Bean uh, and let him try to handpick the next head coach, someone that he could be in sync with going forward. But as much as I think that Sean McDermott's seat is a little bit warm this year, I would be surprised, like we said earlier on in the show, if you were let go at the end of the year. You'd have to almost go 0-5 in this stretch, maybe 1-4. You'd have to have players uh, being more uh, public with their comments, criticizing him, something we haven't seen from any players in, in you know when they've been here in Buffalo. We've seen some players with some sour grapes after the fact. Uh, I, I think that Sean McDermott can lean into, I don't want to say excuse, but lean into the injuries on the defensive side of the ball as to why they had their struggles. He can point to Joe Brady in terms of, Hey, look at this guy that uh, has helped turn, turn around the offense late in the season. We can bring him back. I, you know, like I said earlier, maybe you make him pick a defensive coordinator to take a little bit off of his plate. I'm anticipating him back in 2024, but 2024 could be a maker would be the make or break season. In my opinion, for Sean McDermott, because, you know, if this is the year that they don't make the playoffs, they don't get double-digit wins, uh, that's something that this team has hung their hat on, at least with their regular season wins, 11, 12, 13, a uh, few times here in their regime. But they've been falling short in the playoffs, and they haven't reached the championship since 2020. They haven't looked great in the playoffs uh, since that 13 seconds game. Uh, you know, last year against Miami, they struggled. They obviously struggled against the Bengals. So, I think next year is the true make-or-break season for Sean McDermott. Uh, we'll end things out with this super chat from Dem uh, Deborah Holleran. Uh, Holleran. Yeah, I think I said that right. Thank you, Deborah, for the super chat. Maybe McDermott should make Joe Brady assistant coach or managing coach. 
and ask his opinion before taking a knee at 20 seconds. I think I think Brady is more aggressive. I, I do think that's a good point from the sense of um, Matt, Mattis says that Mike Florio reported that McDermott could be out. Mattis, come on. We've talked about this before with Mike Florio. All right? Like, come on. Like, I, I can't with Florio. Sorry. I don't want to turn this into a – He pretty much said he takes educated guesses. He throws darts right. at the dartboard, and he would rather – you know, speculate and get something right, then do do nothing at all. And if you, you know, want to find a Florio worth your time, Michael Florio, yes. uh, Michael F. Florio on NFL, uh, Twitter. Right? Uh, yes, he covers uh, fantasy for NFL Network, uh, so on and so forth. He does a great job. Uh, Deborah says maybe uh, McDermott should make uh, Joe Brady assistant coach. So I think that there's something to be said. And thank you, Deborah, for the super chat to close things out. Something to be said for their cohesion as they move forward and like empowering Joe Brady in a way to say, okay, you got the offense, right? Like maybe Sean McDermott felt like he had to like not hold hands. Like that's a disrespectful way to put it, but like oversee Ken Dorsey more um, succinctly, more um, matter of factly. And Brady brings experience in this position from Carolina, even though it didn't go well, maybe he can kind of let him operate this thing a little bit more. And I thought it was interesting that Brady brought up this week when I asked him about James Cook getting benched, he said he wasn't benched. It was just part of the rotation. Whether you want to believe that or not, that is what it is. But to me, that says that that was a Joe Brady call, not a Sean McDermott call, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I, I've been encouraged by everything I've seen from Joe Brady in two games. I'd like to see him have a little bit more say maybe. I don't know if the assistant head coach thing would necessarily be that matter, but late in a game, go to him and say, you know, do you have something where you think you could get us in field goal range if we had two timeouts in 20 seconds? And uh, if so, let him kind of run with the ball, so to speak. When it comes to aggressiveness, though, there was a point where Sean McDermott was among statistically the most aggressive head coaches in the last few years. He had come a long way from what he was in 2017, 2018, even 2019. So he he has shown an ability or a willingness to be aggressive at times. Uh, I do think that he shied away from that a little bit too much this season for whatever the reasons were. Uh, But if you can have the offense scoring 30-some points a game and moving the ball up and down the field for four quarters, I think you're going to get a little bit of that aggressiveness back from him. Um, if you want to get aggressive, you need to get over to Top Friendly Markets and check out their delicious and convenient meals. Uh, they have uh, some great uh, delicious meals on beef right now. I'm looking at this beef roast that they have at the at the middle of their ad, and it is mouthwatering, Ryan. Looking to spend less time in the kitchen, more time enjoying what you love? Try creating your next fall meal, winter meal, using one pot, one pat, pan, or one skillet. Save time with convenient recipes that cut down on preparation and cleanup. Plus, find everything you'll need at Tops. Great recipes on one-dish breakfast bake, uh, barley risotto with butternut squash and kale. How about a slow cooker orange pump, pumpkin custard? They have a bunch of recipes over at the website. Check out, check out topsmarkets.com slash meals. All right, Ryan, that's going to do it. Come out on Saturday night. Tell them why. Saturday night, Wingnuts Bills Mafia. We'll get to some of the insider questions, uh, but we also like to interact with Bills fans before and after the show. We have you on the show at times. So come out, join us. We are going to try to uh, give you some hope here late in the season for a late playoff run for this Buffalo Bills team. We'll do our best Joe Shad impression. All right, everybody. He's Ryan. I am Matt. We'll see you Saturday night. Just kidding. I'll love Joe.